Thanks for tuning in to the 168 Podcast, a podcast from Mitchell Knight and Jordan Bird of the Clarence Church of Christ, aimed at helping you connect Sunday worship with everyday life. Welcome to another edition of the 168 Podcast. My name is Jordan, and as you can see, I am by myself this time. If you're watching, I guess you can see that. If you're listening, you just know it's me talking so far. But anyway, it is me by myself this week on the podcast, and um, part of that's because Mitch is at Mountain Dew Week at Mountain View Christian Camp this week, and I am back home, and I'm also preaching this coming Sunday. I mean, none of this will matter for most of you once you finally see this episode or listen to this episode, but it gives you some context as to why we are not together for this episode and why I am presenting it to you today and bringing you this episode. And today, what I wanted to focus on was actually looking or reflecting on or reviewing, if you will, a podcast, which ironically, this is a podcast, but a podcast that I listened to this past week. And it was particularly interesting to me because I thought the person who was interviewed offered a lot of helpful, like very just practical, helpful things to those of us who are trying to think through how do we evangelize in the world in which we live in? Like, how do we help people who don't know Jesus to know Jesus? How do we help those who are disconnected from the church to make their way toward being part of the church? We all know the struggles that churches are going through right now, whether that's stuff with COVID, but even if it wasn't COVID, I think the trend that COVID has caused, it was accelerated because of COVID. Like churches have definitely shrunk in size, if you will. Participation is definitely down. Like I see that. I know a lot of you do too. That stuff I think, and a lot of other people have said, would probably have happened just in a lot longer time frame, but it was already heading that way. And so it's not really like a surprise. It's I mean, it's sad for us who find hope and connection in the church and being a part of Christ, but it wasn't something that was totally unexpected by a lot of people, but it's still sad. But nonetheless, that's the world we live in. So we're left with the situation of how do we help re-engage people or engage people for a new time in who Christ is or being a part of his body that is the church. And this episode that I listened to of this podcast, I thought I had a lot of helpful things to talk about that, particularly because the person that was interviewed, which is Dr. Let me say it right here, Dr. Andy Bannister. And this was on the Thinking Out Loud podcast. And I'll try to link to this stuff in in the the notes for the show. And one thing that uh, Dr. Andy Bannister mentioned, he's with a group, first off, he's with a group called the Solus Organization, which is like an apologetics group. They focus on that, and they're based in the UK. But one thing that he mentioned in this episode that, that was striking to me, like a lot of Americans thinking through the cultural shifts that we're encountering right now, we think a lot of in terms of, oh, we're moving toward a more, more post-Christian culture. And, and we've already done some episodes just recently on this on the 168 podcast. And Andy Bannister mentions that in Europe, or where he is in the UK, it's almost to a point now where it's in a post-post-Christian context. And what he means by that is it's past this point where culture was Christianized or built upon some sort of understanding of Christian principles or values to where Christianity 
in the culture in which he finds himself in or or in Europe as a whole in a lot of different places, it's almost now like almost an, an unknown thing. Like for a lot of people, like they, so much time has passed where like their parents maybe disengaged from the church or their grandparents and then their parents weren't engaged in the church and now they are in the next generation and they've been totally disconnected from the church that they have almost no awareness of it. Like it's just not part of their thinking of the fabric of society. And so he was saying for a lot of people in that situation, they would almost view someone who goes to like a church building or a worship gathering on a Sunday as like, Oh, that's like an interesting hobby that you have. Like it's different than the hobbies I have, but they, but he, but his just his wording like that alone says what it is like it's a hobby it's not even like a religious thing or a spiritual thing it's just like a thing you do and it's different than the things i do and so he was saying like that that reality is painting the the picture of where he is and we're probably lagging behind that in terms of where we are here in the united states and um, we always can look toward canada to see what's kind of coming down the road for us or even more locally in the United States, we can look usually at either coast to kind of see uh, what culturally is, is coming more the way of the center of the country. But I thought that was interesting where he was talking about it being a post-post-Christian society. And basically, it's almost like a, a new mission field if you look at it that way, because you have almost a whole country or a whole culture that doesn't know who Christ is, and they're not even connected to the church. So it's almost like going to... Um, for those of you who are aware of like missions terminology, like going to the, well, you, I don't know if it's still called this, but like the 1040 window, which is that, that window of the world where it's like the hardest to reach out to people. It's a lot of them are Muslim countries. It's, it's just a hard place for Christianity to take root in that area. And so in a lot of ways you have Europe becoming more like that, if you will. And we're not maybe quite there, maybe in the United States, but it one day could be the same. And maybe what's more interesting about this is it's probably more pockets of people. It's not that there aren't Christians in Europe, and it's not that there, there isn't the church there or that there's some awareness of it there, but it's it's so much on the fringe of society, especially in and especially where people identify more as like a nuanced group. Like their group maybe just has no connection or no awareness to the church or to Christ, so they're unaware. So anyway, he painted that picture, which I just thought was interesting in and of itself. But a lot of this podcast episode, Andy Bannister and the hosts that are talking with him from the Thinking Out Loud podcast, they go through a series of like discussions, if you will, about so what do you what do we do like practically when engaging with people who don't know Jesus, aren't aware of Christ, or aren't connected to him or aren't part of the church? And Andy Bannister made the point, and I think this is a helpful visual. He he said, first, build a bridge, which isn't probably new to most of us. Like, yes, if you want to reach somebody, like, you got to kind of reach out to where they are. But he mentioned, like, start the bridge where the people are, because otherwise you're going to build a bridge in the wrong place. And I think this is worth those of us in the body of Christ to think about and how we interact with people on a daily basis like yes we may have a desire to have them come to know jesus and we're called to do that as followers of jesus but if you're starting at the let me give you like a sermon or like a bible lesson and they have no idea what those things even are you're building the bridge already in the wrong place and so he's saying like build a bridge where build a bridge where 
people are, make it to where <clears throat> they can understand what it is you're trying to talk about and, and you understand where they're coming from. Like, do you even understand the, the needs of their um, heart at the moment? Like what they're thinking about, what they're processing, those kinds of things. And I thought that was a very helpful thing to just kind of think about <clears throat> practically because often we can think like, well, no, they need to know this. And it's like, well, yeah, they need to know that. But we need to think of it less in terms of like a here, make the decision. Like we need to make decisions or have people make decisions or decide to follow Christ. Like, yes, they need to do that, but we need to think of it more in terms of probably like a journey. And we're starting the journey with this person here and we're hoping that they eventually reach to here where eventually maybe they do finally dip their toe into uh, being united to Christ, whether that's in you know, baptism or eventually becoming a participating person within the body of Christ, which is the more fuller version of, of that journey. And so I thought that was a helpful thing, like build a bridge where people are. And I don't think that's necessarily new for a lot of people, but I think it is helpful to think about like, well, if I like building a bridge is important, but if you do it in the wrong place, that's definitely going to mess up how we approach not only our approach to people, but how they receive what it is that we have to, to share with them about Christ. Beyond that, the, the thing that Andy Bannister mentioned and just some very practical things about what we can do to uh, engage people who aren't connected to Christ. And I know a, a lot of the angst I think for a lot of people is like, well, I don't know what to say. And, and I'll be honest, like, I feel that way too. Like as much as I can think through this process and like know like what I should do, like even listening to this podcast episode where I heard this guy talk, I'm like, you know, internally nodding my head in agreement like yeah like that's that's good that's awesome like that's what we should do i'm even like thinking in my own mind like yeah i could do that and then and, but then i get to a moment where it's like but in real life like i struggle to sometimes know like what it is i should do like how is it that i should talk to my neighbor who's not a follower of jesus or how do i talk like i know how to do like the the easy daily things of just like, Oh, how was your day? That kind of stuff. But like having an actual meaningful conversation literally about things that are more meaningful than just like the shallow things of life. And it's not that the shallow things are unimportant, but like those aren't the things that, that are going to get us as connected to needing Jesus probably on a, in a more eternal and, and life holistic life sense, if you will. And so anyway, Andy Bannister mentioned that he tries to go through four questions when he encounters people. And I think these could be tweaked depending on the person, obviously. And, and he also referenced a book by Randy Newman and it's called questioning evangelism as a very practical book. Uh, from what I could tell it's written in like 2004, uh, but it looks like a pretty accessible book. And so I encourage you to look at that as just another avenue to kind of help you think of questions to ask people. And a lot of this has to do with like, um, I've, I've mentioned this before in my, uh, preaching or teaching, and it's, it was something that was very helpful for me when I was in uh, Bible college early on. I had to take one counseling class and the, I think almost the heart of this whole class was to help people understand like what counseling is and what it isn't. And at the beginning of the class, a lot of us had a hard time wrapping our heads around the fact that a lot of counseling is just actively listening to people. And a lot of the students, including me, like got hung up on like, well, when do you give the advice? Like, when do you give the advice? When, do, when does the, the advice come? And it's like we were missing the fact that like we wanted to jump to advice before ever knowing 
what advice we even needed to give. So like if we didn't actively listen to the person who was there with us, we weren't going to know what advice to even point them toward. And so the whole point is like you have to start with listening and then the, the answers or the, the advice can come. And it parallels well with a verse in First Peter where First Peter talks about always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. And I think often we can focus on that verse. We can easily focus on, the, oh, yeah, I need to have an answer. But we miss the fact that an answer requires a question. And so are we in a posture with people where we can even hear the questions that they're asking? And a lot of that involves us asking questions or listening to them on the front end so that we can know where we can share what it is that the hope that, that we have, the hope that we have in Christ. And so just listening in general or asking questions is something that can be a very helpful thing in knowing what to talk to people about. Like, so think of it this way, instead of knowing, like having this like prepared thing, you need to be able to tell people about uh, why they need Jesus, who Jesus is, that whole thing. Like, back up. Start at, like, just asking questions about their life to see where they are. What is it that they're hanging their life on? Like, what are the things, the longings of their life? Like, those things will start to give you platforms, if you will, to where you can kind of jump on and know where you can share your journey of how Christ has fulfilled that longing in your life. And so the, the four questions that Andy Bannister mentions are these. First, he asks people, do you believe in God or some spiritual reality or, or something like that? And what is that like? And so his whole point is like, just kind of point blank asking. And this is where maybe this could be a little bit different in our culture than in his culture in Europe. Because if people are so post-post-Christian in, in a European context where they're just naive, they're more just atheistic or secular, where like God or like a spiritual reality isn't even part of their thinking, it may it probably won't be as abrasive for them to even like answer that question because for them it's like well i don't have one and like it's not it's not a like whereas i think in our culture like it's it's so antagonistic right now where like it's 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 abrasive to almost ask that question a little bit but i do know a lot of surveys point to how even if people don't talk about being religious or focus on god specifically a lot of people usually we'll say like, well, I'm spiritual though, or, or we'll articulate some form of something that's like spirituality or something that's at least beyond the, the physical, whether that's like, you know, the stars or something like that, that, I mean, yeah, that's still physical, but it's kind of like outside of earth, outside of our control, that kind of thing. There's something that's transcendent, something beyond the human experience alone that seems to have something to do with something. And so a lot of people, even if they don't have like a very religious or God-focused experience, they may at least be willing to share about their spiritual reality or spiritual thoughts or feelings or things like that. And so just asking them, like, do you even believe in God? Or, you know, do you have a spirituality? And like, what is it? Can you just, you know, just share with me what that is? Like, just be in a learning posture. Like, you don't even necessarily have to do anything with it yet. You're just trying to inquire about, like, what what's something that's valuable to you? I mean, people like to share what's valuable about them. Like if you have something that's valuable to you and you're excited about it, you tend to tell people about it. And other people would probably like to do that too. We may think that that thing may be misguided from a Christian perspective, but it doesn't mean that they still wouldn't share with you what it is that they find valuable. So that's the first question. Do you believe in God or some spiritual reality? And what is it? And what is it like? The second question is, what do you think a human being is? Or like, what do you think it means to be human? 
Like, I mean, if, if someone is coming from a very just atheistic or secular standpoint of like, well, we're just a bunch of atoms, you know, they may land and they may tell you that, or they may say, they might like give that kind of upfront, but then if you kind of press a little bit more about things, like they may give you something more like, well, you know, humans are all about caring for each other or living the, the fullest human life existence or getting the most out of life. Or I, you know, th those could be some answers to that question. But again, it's just, it's, a, it's something we all value. Like we value humanity for the most part. Um, we value our life usually specifically. And so it's just asking like, what do you think a human being is? I mean, in our day and age right now, like that's kind of a big thing. Like what, it, what makes us different from animals? What makes all of us different or unique, if you will. And it's just asking about getting, getting someone's read on like, what do you think a human being is? Cause on one hand, this will help paint the picture of their worldview. It will show you where humanity is who, wh where humanity rests in relation to the rest of the things in creation or relation to God. And so again, it gives you another platform to know like where they are and how you can relate to them. So, I mean, you may, be building the bridge with them at this level and maybe not at the, do you believe in God level? Um, and so it, again, it's the second question that he, that he suggests. And I think, again, it's a helpful one because most people will have a take on like what it is to be human. A third question that he suggests is what do you think has gone wrong with the world? Cause his point is like, nobody seems to ever think that nothing is wrong. Like everybody always has an opinion about what is wrong with the world. So again, this gives us an, opportunity to get insight into people's lives of like where they think things have gone wrong. And if you take a moment and kind of think about this question, it's ultimately asking a question of where has humanity broken off from God or where does sin exist in our world? You're not using that terminology in that question, but it is asking essentially the same thing. Like what's wrong with the world from a Christian perspective, we would say that the world has separated from God and, and that sin is, is something that, that separates us. Like we would use those, that terminology, but this question is asking that in a way that's not necessarily directly inserting those things right away. Again, you're building the bridge here to eventually be able to maybe talk about those things in more specific or nuanced categories later, but it's not talking about something totally irrelevant from that. But again, most people will have a take on that. But again, that'll give you an understanding probably of where they're coming from. And and it often whatever is wrong with the world is where people are going to probably invest themselves in how they're trying to answer that. So they may not be doing that with God, but maybe they're doing that with if they think, you know, love is an issue, then they're going to be all about love. But it might be love in a way that we you know, how we see it differently as Christians and maybe misguided from our standpoint, but at least again, it gives you an understanding of where they're coming from and where you can begin to talk with them about things. And at some point, um, you know, you can share more about where, where you come from on things. And, and one way that Andy Bannister mentioned in, in this episode is, um, you know, first listen to what answers people give but then you can always respond with, and this is where it takes humility on our end. Cause a lot of us want to be like, well, no, my opinion's right. And like, you need to hear it out. And if you don't agree with me, like, I guess we're done. Like, and that just ends the whole like discussion thing altogether. We need to have the humility of probably being aware that we're already not going to probably agree with the person right away. Like that should be just upfront understood. Like 
they're not coming from where we're coming from. They're not believing in God. They're not in Christ. Like they're obviously coming from a different place. We we already need to know going in, they're not going to agree with us. But there are probably things as we actively listen to them and their answers, there probably are things that we do resonate with. Resonate with. So. I mean, our response to any of these, any of the answers that people give to those four questions could be like, well, some of what you say I resonate with. Like if someone talks about like, well, I think love is important in the world. Like, I don't know any of us that are like, oh, I'm anti-love. Like, no, like we want love in the world as well. Like we want care and compassion and all these things that people may articulate. Like we can say like, I resonate with some things you're talking about, but you could also say like some of the things I think differently on. And this is where you have the opportunity to now insert, like I think differently about these things because I follow Jesus and he gives a different viewpoint on that and a different perspective of it. And I see things a little bit differently and I see all these things interacting differently because of Jesus. And so, his whole point in this episode of this podcast is saying like, if we truly believe Jesus is compelling, I mean, almost all surveys talk about like, most people don't have an issue with Jesus. They usually have an issue with Christians. And usually that has to do with Christians either not living out what they say they believe or something along those lines. But usually Jesus is viewed favorably, but really at the heart of the gospel, Jesus is the thing that's compelling. And if we truly believe that Jesus is compelling, we won't have to sledgehammer our beliefs into the conversation. Like we can assert them and, and mention them. Like I just mentioned, like, you know, I resonate with some things you're saying, but I don't in this way. And this is why, like, those are valid things to share, but you don't have to do it. And like, well, you're just wrong. <laughs> like th that mentality is probably just going to shut the conversation or any hope of a future conversation down, but sort of meeting them part way, like say like, you know, like I get where you're coming from on this. Like I resonate with that too, but I approach it kind of from this end, like that then gives that it's at least in a posture where another person can be like, Oh, I never thought of it that way before. I think we do the same thing in other ways, just maybe not in the context of like evangelism, if you think about it that way. But ultimately Andy Bannister talks about how this whole process is essentially us actively looking or listening for the longings that people have in their heart. Like, what is it that that you're all that, that person's longing for like is it like belonging and so like they try to find belonging and whatever it is they mention it could be this particular subgroup or uh, this particular identity or pursuing this goal it, whatever it may be like what is the longing that that person has and then how can we help steer the conversation to help them see that we see those desires fulfilled in christ in a more fulfilling way like if someone says like i just they i long for a fulfilling life but they're trying to fulfill that by acquiring x amount of wealth or a position of prestige or uh, notoriety in some certain way like that's how they're trying to seek that but that's a very tangled way in a in a way that's separated from how christ has designed us to live like we're not meant to like find life in that way like we're always, it's always going to sh fall short but we can resonate with like, yeah, like I, I can see why you'd want to have like a place to belong or some, uh, a place where you're valued. Like who, who of us doesn't want that? But like, this is where we have the chance to say like, but I find that because in Christ, like I find it in the fact that Jesus values me. He values me just like he values any other person. Like I have a place to belong in his family, in his, in his body. Like we have a place to insert those things there but we don't have to just kind of tear down like where they're coming from to start with. Like we're trying to help guide them to see like, there's a, there's a different way in which you can 
seek the longings you have. Like the longing isn't bad. You're just trying to fulfill it in a way that's ultimately not going to fulfill what you're hoping it will do. So I thought that was very helpful. I mean, it's it's a more nuanced way of doing it, but I think it's a way in which we can actively do with conversations with people. And it's it's really just thinking about, or I mean, you could use any variety of those questions. Those are just the ones he suggests, but it's just trying to draw out of people like where the thing behind the thing of life, if you will, like not just like, oh, I have a job, but like, why do you, why do you work the job you have? Like, it's probably helping you fulfill something of meaning in your life. And so, you know, just going down that path, but it ultimately gives, it ultimately sets up a place where we then can share like what's meaningful to us, but it's allowing them to do that first. And then us doing it in response to the conversation that we have with them. One thing, another thing that, that was talked about in this podcast that I thought was interesting is, um, they talk about in the podcast about how the public square is sort of this odd thing, especially in the United States right now, in terms of like, uh, the good news of Jesus being able to be shared there. And like, if you look in the new Testament, you see a lot of different examples of like, um, Paul sharing Mars Hill about Jesus. And like, there's this opportunity in the public square for him to share. Um, there were spaces at least at that time in, in more Jewish culture, like the synagogue where, uh, Paul would go and like talk to uh, people. It was like, it was a public venue where, where these things could be discussed. And, and they were talking about in the episode about like, where is that, where does that exist now? And it seems like it's the more secular, especially American culture has become uh, the only thing that sort of ties us together in like a public sense is the political, <laughs> as weird as that sounds. Like the only thing we all sort of collectively do or share, like we don't share these like common values anymore of like, whether it be the Judeo-Christian values or um, even some of the more historic, just American things that we typically would say, like, well, we all share that. And we all know, like, our world right now in the United States is a lot more fractured and sort of pitted against each other. And but yet, oddly, like, the political system is where we still are united. It's, like, where we still go to try to battle these things out. It's where we all try to go to the polls to get a person in there to, to advocate for our side or whatever it may be. And it's just it's just odd in one sense that, like, the thing that we all, like, almost don't like is the, still the thing that, like, we're dependent on to sort of bind us together. And And Andy Bannister talked about how, like, we get caught up in thinking like, well, that's the sphere in which I have to inter interject uh, Christianity. That's where I have to interject Christ. Like if we don't have it there, it's, it's never going to happen anywhere else. And his whole point was like, there are a lot more other public squares in which we can engage that we just often don't think about. Like we think that's the only public square. Whereas can you engage your neighborhood, your neighbors, um, I mean, it's still sort of political, but like your school board or just like more local community organizations, if you will, things that don't require you to have to jump so many levels to be in or to get someone into, but you have a place to engage in this more local level. And you do have opportunity in the public square to talk about your faith in relation to the process we already talked about of asking questions and, and seeing where people are coming from. And so I thought that was helpful because I think often we think like, well, we have to be in this like position or this platform to be able to do this. And it's like, no, like you are in the public square already in a lot of ways. Like your job is in the public square. Your kids activities are often in the public square. Like your recreational activities are in the public square. There's a lot of things we do in the public square all the time that don't involve us having to be in a political position 
to interject our faith in Jesus, again, like in the process in which we just talked about. So I thought that was helpful as well, just to sort of like, okay, take a, take a deep breath, breath, like you don't have to be at this level, like you can do it down here. So I think that's helpful to think about. Lastly, one thing that um, Andy Bannister mentioned in this episode was just the normal way in which followers of Jesus are able to make their their way of life and their faith known. And he was saying that he, he mentioned this one conversation that he and his wife had, I think it was like at a park where their kids were playing and they got to talking with this uh, person or couple, I can't remember which, which it was. And as they got to talking, I mean, he's like, normally when it comes to like, oh, what do you do for your job? And he's like, you know, well, I work at an apologetic center. It's like, I can't quite hide from the fact of like, what I do is like religiously based or uh, focused on Jesus. So it's like, you know, out there up front. And, you know, as the conversation progressed, the, the comment that this person gave in relation to their conversation was, you know, you guys don't seem to be crunchy Christians. And the hosts of the podcast were saying like, well, in the United States, crunchy kind of has a different connotation. But what he meant was you're not like abrasive. Like you're not like uptight. You're not like, uh, there's not this like kind of bat embattled position in, in us having a conversation about just the little bit deeper things of life. Like you come at it from where you come from and I'm at where I'm at with it. And, but you're still able to have kind of just a jovial conversation with it or an easy conversation with it. And, and he was saying like that posture alone spoke a lot of the kind of life that they lived. And I think it was, and he was saying like, it was noticeable by the people they were talking to and like, well, you seem to have like a hopeful posture, but in general, they were just noticing like, well, your, your life seems to have some things like that we long for, but you don't come about it in like an abrasive way to make it known to us. And so he was just saying like us, faithfully living our life and not being like abrasive in how we did it. Again, the posture mattered a whole lot, spoke a lot of the message that they were trying to live out and the message of Jesus. And it, it made a pathway for them to be able to talk more about it. And so I think that's one thing for us to keep in mind of like, yes, we're called to make Jesus known, but we don't have to be like abrasive or caustic in how we do it. There are very like nuanced ways in which we can do it, but still be faithful in doing it and asserting it. It doesn't mean you have to be passive in it, but there are, I think the posture in which we take matters a lot is ultimately kind of, I think what we get, what we see here. And it made me think in one way about just how we negate the witness the church has in a lot of different ways. Like one thing it made me think of is, Often we struggle in the church with like unity and um, we know that often even Christians don't get along and like churches split and all those different things. But even though all that stuff happens, I think there's some hope to take in the fact that even though Christians may struggle to get along sometimes, their disagreements maybe often don't end in the same way that they would in the world they don't necessarily maybe end with the same sort of amount of mudslinging toward each other. Or, um, I mean, I, it made me just think of like the, the simple fact that, um, Christians will gather for worship on a Sunday and may disagree with each other on certain things, but the fact that they're not going to go like beat each other up over it and still go worship together. Just the fact that they're not, their disagreements aren't ending in violence is like a witness in and of itself. And so I think that does say something that like, 
Christians who faithfully week in and week out gather together and worship with people who they don't entirely uh, agree with on everything and yet can still civilly get along with each other speaks a lot. And, and the main reason that we can do that is because of what we share in Christ. And I know there's maturity that needs to go beyond that, but I do think there is something to that, that like, because Jesus is living within us, like we don't go to these other levels, or at least we at least hold ourselves back from going to these other levels. And I think that, again, that speaks to the fact that Jesus is working in and through our life and shaping us to try to be different kind of people in the world in which we live. And I do think that's noticeable as much as it maybe doesn't get the the notice of like the nightly news or uh, the information outlets. Like it, I think it is noticed by people and that there's a lot of other groups who would, res, you know, do things a lot differently. And so I, th I think there's some value in just the faithfulness of us doing things, even though it may not look flashy or like super, super compelling. Like there's a like, huh, like, they still will do stuff together just because of Jesus. Like, even though they don't agree about all these other things because of Jesus. And it's like, well, there must be something about Jesus. <laughs> I mean, as little as that may be, that's still a stepping stone. Lastly, I guess I already said lastly, but um, one other thing he mentioned in the podcast I thought was interesting was followers of Jesus in a post-Christian world probably need to be, try to think about how can we more creatively help people consider the meaningful things of life in creative ways and he mentioned how like c.s lewis did this in his day by like writing the novels that he wrote or um tolkien did with lord of the rings and just like he they used a genre that that wasn't like you know biographical um but they used a genre of, of fiction to help tell the story of these meaningful concepts and people are still talking about them today like what are ways that we could do something similar in our day and age and i know not everybody's a creative but how can we maybe just more creatively ask questions about the meaningful things of life and just not the, well, do you believe Jesus is the truth? And that's where we start. I mean, just the creativity of sort of backing up a few steps alone is probably something we could take into consideration. Anyway, I thought this podcast was helpful. I encourage you to take a listen to it for yourself. Um, a little bit of warning. There's a couple words I think that get used in there that uh, may be stronger than some people would prefer from a Christian standpoint. And I don't quite understand why people do that. It's not preferable to me, but um, it's in there a little bit nonetheless. I mean, it's really like, I think two things and it's, it's very minor, but I do think the overall content of the podcast was very helpful in helping those of us in our day and age who are following Jesus to Think about how we can make Jesus known to the world around us in a way in which we maybe hadn't had to do before. Like before we could rely on the fact that like, well, people knew about the church and if they wanted to show up, they show up. Well, that's maybe not the case anymore. Uh, people are becoming less and less aware and the more generations that that progresses through, they're not going to know about Jesus and the cultural norms of following Jesus that we maybe think that they are accustomed to. And so how can we insert ourselves into their life in a general conversation and general life things to where we have the opportunity to share where we're coming from with it? I mean, that's, I think that's what we have to think about is like, where, where can we gain the opportunity by listening and engaging with other people to where we then have the opportunity to share the hope that we have.
So I hope these things were helpful for you and gave you some just uh, handles for things to, to engage with people and some practical questions to work through with people. And I know for me, it, it, it made my brain think. And again, I, I struggle to do the same thing. Like I don't do it perfectly. Like it's a, a process for me as well. So I hope they're as helpful for you as they've been helpful for me to think about. And, and I'm trying to implement into my own life. And so next time uh hopefully mitch and i can be back together as we get past this week and um thank you for engaging and listening and uh, watching if you're watching to this episode of the podcast and we'll catch you next time